This is a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. Hello and welcome to the Fun Kids Book Club podcast. I am Bex and I've got loads of authors to chat to today. I'll be speaking to Ed Clark about his brand new book, The Secret Dragon. Abby Elphinstone will be in the Fun Kids studio and we'll hear a special extract from Matt Haig's brand new book. It is called Evie and the Animals and it's well good. I'll also be finding out about five brand new books that you need to get your mitts on super soon. But first, it's time for my book trivia question. My question is this, and today's actually quite specific, I think. In Louis Sachar's book, Holes, what do Zero and Stanley eat on the mountains to stay alive? Is it A, apples, B, onions, or C, peaches? I'll tell you the answer. Don't you worry, at the end of the podcast. First up, let's have a little chat to Ed Clark. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming by Fun Kids. It's my pleasure. Very Uh, glad to be here. Now, you've written a brand new book called The Secret Dragon. And you look shocked by this. No, I have. Okay. I have read it. That's my name on the on the cover, so it must be true. <laughs> no, the book is about Mari, or Mari. How would you pronounce uh, it? Mari. Mari. Yes. And she, uh, pretty early doors in the book, has an amazing discovery in the rocks near her home. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes. Yes. Well, um, she's an eleven-year-old girl. Her name's Mary. She lives on a farm with her mum, um, and uh, but she's really bad at looking after animals. Uh, and what she really wants to be is a scientist. And so what she does is she goes uh, fossil hunting on the beaches near where she lives. And like you say, one day she finds this strange-looking rock, and she cracks it open, and she finds a tiny, real-live dragon that sits in the palm of her hand. And uh, when she's there, she also finds another friend as well. Uh, she finds another friend. There's uh, there's a boy uh, on the beach as well. Um, um, now... She, because she's uh, she really desperate to be a scientist, um, she's really worried that people, the grown-ups, are going to take the dragon away from her, um, and so she has to keep it a secret. But the boy is—he uh, sees the dragon too, so he's he's the only person who's in on the secret. And together they have to try and stop this mischievous dragon from sort of getting away. It's really nice uh, reading about the friendship between the two of them, yes. and uh, I don't want to ruin it too much, but they have another reason they have to get to become friends as well, uh, their parents. Uh, yes, yes. So, um, yes, Mary's mum is a single uh, mum and uh, Dylan's dad is a, a single dad um, and they've just moved to the area uh, and he's the local vet and Mary's mum is a farmer, as we said. So, uh, yes, they have a natural way to meet and that uh, does cause a little bit of embarrassment to most, both Mary and Dylan that their parents seem to be going on dates. It is a bit awkward, isn't it, to begin with? Yes. Uh, now, there's also there's a lot of action in the book as well. You've got mm-hmm. um, a train ride that she takes to see one of her heroes who pops back a little bit later on in a, yes. in a more dramatic sequence. Is yes. it quite fun to write those bits? Yes, <laughs> it is. Um, that's probably one of my, my favourite bits. Um, I sort of grew up uh, loving like Spielberg movies and mm-hmm. sort of um, adventure films uh, and adventure books, uh, obviously as well. And so I think uh, I always like to take my characters on um, sort of fun rides, I suppose. And this is, you know, there's a there's a few little kind of action sequences in the book. I like to think that are yeah thrilling, but also fun. Definitely. And you've got uh, Gweeb, who is the the dragon. Yes. How was we- that to write about a dragon? Um, well, I i mean, everyone loves dragons, don't sure. they? I think I, I've always loved dragons, but I'd never seen a tiny, tiny one before. And I thought it might be really fun to have a, a little dragon because they can get up to sort of adventures that 
big dragons couldn't get away with necessarily because you can't put a big dragon in your pocket. Exactly. Um, you can put a little dragon in your pocket. And, and if you have to take a little dragon to school, uh, what might that be like um, if it tries to escape in a chemistry lesson? Um, so there were lots of things like, you know, you could imagine that might happen with a, with a little dragon that were a lot of fun to do. Oh, definitely. Uh, yes, Squeeb gets up to some interesting adventures, even in the school as well. The dragon escapes. Um, and, um, and it's in the middle of a chemistry lesson where they are doing an experiment with um, flammable gases. Yes. Uh, so gases that could be set on fire. And Gweeb as a dragon um, uh, doesn't necessarily know how to breathe fire but does breathe a sort of flammable uh, kind of uh, gaseous um, uh, uh, um, thing. Yeah, yeah, yes, kind of gaseous. air. Kind of, yeah. And, and, uh, and yes, in this lesson uh, there is a way in which that could be set alight which is not a great thing to do in the middle of this chemistry lesson and things start to, to Burn. Yeah, it's really fun to read about, though. I quite yes. enjoyed it. When, it. when it happens, it's the perfect timing. I'll just, I'll just say that. I'll leave it there. <laughs> did you have to research dragons before? Did you kind of go into myths and folklore? Oh, I, was, I, thought, I, thought, I thought you meant, did I have to go and see them in a zoo? Um, I, <laughs> uh, I, well, that's the, the, the good thing about writing the fantastical creatures mm. is you can slightly make it up. Um, nice, yeah. And so, yes, I read a little bit here and there. And obviously, you, you, you grow up watching dragons on films and reading about dragons in books and so there's a sort of there are things that you expect them to do and so it's fun to sort of to do some of those things but then with other other other, other things to make up a new kind of biology for a dragon you know I mean, how yeah. long it can sort of stay in an egg for and how long will it live for and uh uh can it breathe fire or does it not breathe fire and you know and what makes that all work so it's really trying to think about a bit like like Mary does, really, about the science of what a dragon would be like if it really existed. And nobody's going to tell you off. You can't get it wrong because it's on your head. can't get it wrong, and that's the best thing about it. That's yes. amazing. No one's going to tell you off. Uh, also, it's set in Wales. Why Wales? I, I, I don't be rude, but I suspect you haven't got a Welsh accent. Why so. not Wales? Um, it's, <laughs> uh, uh, well, my uh, my mum and dad live in Wales and have done for about 20 years. When, oh, we're not Welsh, um, but they've lived on a, uh, on a part of the coast in Wales that is very beautiful um, between uh, Cardiff and Swansea, and most right. people normally miss it but um i've really loved walking down those beaches like mary does in the book and it's a sort of a fictional version of the place where they live and at the back of the book i noticed uh there may be some more adventures in line is that right yes i think i might talk about that i think so yes there's there, there they may well be um more adventures to come uh with mary after this one so uh yes we'll watch out for that ed i have a little quick fire round of questions okay. i'll do with authors if that's okay yes Just get a feel for who you are as an author <laughs> and a writer uh no pressure don't worry uh first one books or kindles uh books yep every author says that straight away yes. uh heroes or villains oh mm. <sighs> It's always tricky. In- interesting villains, probably. Oh, good answer. I like that. Okay, uh, Smog from The Hobbit or Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon? Um, Smog, I think for me, I grew up with Smog. Okay. So that would be my one. I was hoping I said that right because I haven't read The Hobbit. I think it's Smog, isn't Smaug, it? Smog, is it? I have no yeah. idea. As you can tell, I also haven't seen the films, but I just know it's a famous <laughs> dragon. <laughs> I, went with what, I went with your pronunciation. You're very but... polite. Uh, film adaptation or TV adaptation? Um, film for me. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, I work more in film. Well, I work in TV as well, but, okay. um, but film adaptations, I suppose, are what I grew up with. Uh, uh, Rowan Oakwing or Mary Jones? That's really hard. That's choosing between your children. Yeah. That's really hard. I mean, right now I'm excited about Mary, so um, it will be, would be Mary right now. Very on-brand answer. Uh, writing or reading? 
that's, that's two different, very different things, isn't it? Um, find that really, one really difficult, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, uh, writing right now, because that's what I'm doing. Okay, uh, TV producing or book writing then? So, book writing. Excellent, good answer. Hogwarts or Narnia? Uh, Hogwarts. Hogwarts, me too. Laptop or write by hand? Laptop. Yeah, it's probably more efficient, I imagine. It is, yeah. it is. I, I, I'm, I, I can't almost write anymore. I find it really... Really difficult. Just holding a pen. Holding a I'm pen. the same. Uh, Roald Dahl or Jacqueline Wilson? Uh, Roald Dahl. I thought that might be the case. Bookshop visit or school tour? Now authors oh, do both, I know. Do both. Um, and they're both so important to authors and that's really difficult to choose as well. Um, and they're both really lovely in their own ways. But at school visit, you tend to meet more people okay. and and see more, of, uh, see more of the kids who are reading the book. So I guess probably school visits. Okay. Do you write nine to five or do you write whenever you fancy? Um, I wish I wrote nine to five. Um, <laughs> I generally write um, really early in the morning before my children wake up, um, before my day job. So um, I s- sort of, not nine to five, but six to seven. Usually. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, I'm still asleep then. And finally, salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Oh, salt and vinegar all the way. Yes, that is the correct answer. <laughs> I don't mind anything else you say. It's just that one that I'm bothered about. Uh, excellent. Well, you ended on high because that is <laughs> the right answer. Uh, Ed, thank you so much for coming to Fun Kids. I'm, I, thank you so much for having me. And we should say The Secret Dragon is out right now. Um, I loved your book and hopefully everybody else who reads it will love it as well. I hope so too. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you to Ed Clark for popping by Fun Kids. Speaking of people popping by Fun Kids, it's time for my book hero, Imogen. Hello. Hello. Pop, 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 pop. I'm popping. Oh, lovely. Popping by the studio. <laughs> I thought you were just, um, just doing a disco to yourself no, there. No, 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 I'm popping. Oh, popping. Um, tell me about these books you have piled up in front of you, please. I shall. Our first book of uh, the day, the month, the... Uh, the podcast. Uh, the podcast. Yeah, The podcast do. is Rugby Academy by Tom Palmer. So, in this book, there is a school called Borderlands, and this school is super rugby mad, and they have set their sights on becoming the best school rugby team in the world. But they do have some uh, challenges to face along the way, because, you know, the world's a big place. Um, So, a new people come to the school called Woody, and he's a footballer, and he has to decide whether he wants to give rugby his all... Or whether he just wants to, you know, continue with the old football thing. Also, there's a guy called Owen and he finds himself in a bit of a sticky wicket uh, when conflict breaks out in the team. And also, um, in this school, a lot of the pupils, their parents are deployed overseas in the armed forces. So they're all dealing with all of this going on in the background. They're kind of worried about their parents um, and about this war that's currently going on as conflict is growing in the Central Asian Republic. So everyone on the team has all these things going on and they have to see how far they can get in the school's tournament in rugby whilst they're dealing with all these issues. It's a really good one if you love a bit of sport, if you love books, mash them two together, if you love rugby, if you love conflict, if you like drawings, if you like fun... Yeah. Uh, you know what? I've just opened the page, at a, bu- a book at a page even. And uh, have you heard of a hacker? You know in rugby you have a hacker. Oh, yeah. They've got one right here and a little translation as well. Amazing. Uh, so can you guess what this means? And I'm probably going to pronounce all of it wrong. Tanei te tangata puhuru huru. No. It means this is the hairy man. 
There you Amazing. Go. You Amazing. can find out more if you read the book. Absolutely. And the second book we have is The Longest Night of Charlie Moon by Christopher Edge, who is a friend of Fun Kids. He's, He's been in before. Come to Fun Kids very soon to speak about this book, in fact. I am about to read it, so tell me why I should read it, Imogen. You should read this book because it sounds amazing. Now, you may have read some of his other books, like The Many Worlds of Albie Bright and Infinite Lives of Maisie Day, which mm-hmm. I know he's spoken to you about before, Bex. Now, this story starts with three children going into a woods behind their school to look at what appears to be a message in code. And then strange things start happening. The path is lost and it gets really dark. It builds suspense through the book and we wonder what kind of happens to them that plays with the concept of time and space and perception and it's kind of like an eerie tale and it's it's complex but it's simple and it messes with your head and it's wonderful. That's what the last book did to me as well. It's like he kind of writes thrillers almost. Yeah. Yeah, and they're really good reads and they're unputdownable. Absolutely. Uh, you'll re- you won't be able to put it down. It'll be one of those that you're reading before you go to bed and then your parents will say goodnight <laughs> and then you'll turn the light back on to read some more. <laughs> yeah, that is a great shout. Uh, yeah, that's The Longest Night of Charlie Moon. It is Noon. indeed. Yes. Next up we have... It's Barry Loser. He's back with his 11th book. 11th? 11th. Wow, that's more than 10. I know. Wow. Barry Loser and the Trouble with Pets by Jim Smith. What is the trouble with pets, Imogen? The trouble with pets, Bex, Mm -hmm. is that they're more work than you think they are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so as far back as Barry can remember, he's always wanted a sausage dog. You know why? Because sausage dogs are awesome. They're adorable, and yeah. And he mixed two of his favourite things together, sausages and dogs. Great. Um, who cares if they bark all the time and do poos everywhere and need three walks a day and stop you going to the cinema with your friends? Who, who cares about that? No, not Barry. Cute. Barry does not care. He loves his dog and he gets one. He gets his real life sausage dog and shenanigans take place. Shenanigans? I love shenanigans. Shenanigans take place. If you love sausage dogs, if you love all the Barry Loser books, if you love the drawings, if you love the weird words and the wacky, the wacky things... It's you very, it. yeah, if you love like Diary of a Wimpy Kid, that kind of stuff, you'll yeah. love this book. If you love Diary of a Wimpy Kid, if you love Tom Gates, yes. that sort of thing, you will absolutely love these books. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, next up is very different to Barry Loser, I would say. Yes. I'm not sure if you could get more different. Mm. Uh, it is Wondersmith, uh, The Calling of Morrigan Crow by Jessica Townsend. Um, and this is a Nevermore series book. Um, now, I don't know if you read the first one of these Bex, but I, I did not. You didn't. I'm so sorry. Well, you should. I should have eh? and I've got um, a lot on. You do have a lot on, mm. but um, the first one kind of gave me almost the feeling of the first time I read Harry Potter. <gasps> it was that sort of wondrous world. Oh, wow. Um, so in Wondersmith, The Calling of Morrigan Crow, um, Jessica Townsend, the author, she kind of puts you back into this world of wonder and magic and whimsy. And we follow Morrigan um, straight after the first book. And she begins classes as the Wondrous Society. And we follow her on a little journey. Now, uh, she goes to the Wondrous Society headquarters to receive her education along with all the other successful applicants. Um, But while all of the other people in her group are doing really exciting subjects and things, she doesn't seem to be. 
and uh, Morrigan is actually a really rare Wondersmith but um, instead of the society helping to embrace her power they seem to want her to suppress it and um, to make things a lot worse um, a place nevermore the place it used to seem really safe and now people are disappearing and it's kind of feeling a little bit dangerous so Morrigan has lots to deal with in this book and if you love a bit of magic if you love some mystery if you love friendships if you love really good characters this is definitely one for you to check out amazing and uh, what is the final book in your pile of books today the final book in my pile of books is called Lampy and the Children of the Sea by Annette Sharp. Okay. And this was originally written in Dutch, I oh. believe, and has now been translated into the English. And it is a wonderful book. If you love fairy tales, if you love pirates, if you love really good stories and really good characters, this is book for you. There's another one. Who's going to say no? Who's going to say no? I don't love no, really good characters no and stories. going to say no. <laughs> and it's another one of those turn the light back on books. Okay. And I will tell you what it is about that. I like that description now of books. Is it a turn the light back on book? It's a turn the light back on book. And talking of light, dun dun dun, Amelia lives in a lighthouse mm. uh, with her dad who has a wooden leg. Um, and he, so therefore he makes his daughter do all the work. Um, and in the town, everyone calls her Lampy or Little Lamp. So during a really bad storm, Lampy realises she's forgotten to buy matches, which is a big issue in a lighthouse because you need to put that light on to stop people crashing Mm. and boats and things. Sure. Um, But she does forget to buy the matches, so the lighthouse lamp remains unlit and a ship (gasps) wrecks itself into the rocks. As punishment, her dad is then locked up in the lighthouse. What? And Lampy is made to work as a cleaner for seven years at the Admiral's spooky house, where (laughs) everyone says a monster lives. This is taking a turn. I know. Yeah. As if that wasn't enough. She makes friends with the housekeeper there and her son, and there is one room that she's not allowed to go, and she gets very intrigued about this room. Now... I'm not going to go too much into this, Mm. but there is a monster. You see, the story is told from lots of different perspectives, including people who are past, like Lampy's mum. Even the wind is given its own voice. Wow. Also, it kind of gives you vibes of, like, the secret garden, where there's a mysterious place. Uh, The Little Mermaid comes into it. There's pirates. And none of this seems weird in the book. It all seems perfectly natural. And it's just, it's, it's just great. Wow, I, I'm sold. I need to read it right now. You must. Okay, that's brilliant. Uh, Imogen, thank you so much. Uh, we should say the name of that book again, I guess. Uh, that is Lampy and the Children of the Sea. It is indeed. Great. Uh, we'll see you next time, Imogen. I will see you next time. Bye. Uh, next up, I'm going to have a little chat to Abby Elphinstone about her brand new book, Rumble Star. Hello. Hello, Vex. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Really good, thanks. Now, you are back, finally, for your brand new book, Rumble Star. Yeah, I just keep on turning up here, book after book. Well, I'm <laughs> delighted because I love it. I read oh. it. And it's such an adventure. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. So, um, you, the last time you were here was for Everdark. Exactly, uh, which was the sort of prequel to the Unmapped Chronicles. The story of Smudge. Yeah. I really, really love that Smudge is kind of mentioned. Every now and yeah, again. exactly. You kind yeah. of... 
the, the World Book Day book, Everdark, set up Smudge's adventure. Yes. Smudge's little girl um, with her monkey, Bartholomew. Yeah. And then in Rumblestar, there are little hints that she might appear, mm-hmm. um, not perhaps in the format that you would expect her to. But yeah, I love that. With I think it was the Narnia books I read as a child where there were little crossover points between each book. Yes. So they weren't necessarily like all following on the books, but they had little moments where characters would step in from one book to another. It's like really that. fun. And it also makes you feel like as a reader, you're like, oh, I know this. I know this link. Yeah, I exactly. I know more than the author. There's something about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I awesome. love that. So uh, in the book, uh, you've really focused on Casper. Yes. And Utterly Thankless, who yes. become like mismatched friends and go on this amazing adventure. Exactly. Uh, tell us a bit about Casper. So Casper, 11-year-old Casper Tok, hates risks is allergic to adventures and shudders at the thought of unpredictable events. So it comes as a really nasty shock to Casper when he accidentally stumbles into Rumblestar, which is an unmapped kingdom, a secret kingdom filled to the brim with magical beasts. Um, And all Casper wants to do is go back home to Little Wallops, which is the boarding school in the English countryside that he (laughs) grows up in. Um, But he can't because... Rumblestar is in trouble. There's an evil harpy who's like wreaking havoc and stealing all the beautiful unmapped magic for herself. And Casper discovers basically that the fate of his own world is bound up in that of Rumblestar. Um, and Casper's the kind of guy that lives, or kind of boy, that lives life according to to-do lists and timetables. And he loves everything to be just so. And he's really organised, uh, straightens the pictures in his walls at night, um, matches up his shoes and his socks. And yeah, he's ultra organised and then he's thrown together with Utterly Thankless. Who is the opposite? Yeah, total opposite. She hates um, rules and is allergic to behaving. Um, (laughs) She's, yeah, Casper's opposite. Um, But I think books often work really well if you have unlikely pairings. So they're not obvious candidates for friends and they muddle along on this adventure and at one point they fall out really badly. Um, and I always, as a, as a child, grew up being a little bit scared of confrontation and, and worrying if I had a fallout with my friend that that would be it forever and, you know, we couldn't ever go back. Yeah, of course. Uh, but I wanted to write a book about the fact that sometimes in friendships you say truly horrible things that you don't mean, but in the heat of the moment you say them. Um, but there's a way back if you are prepared to forgive and be humble. Um, so Casper and Utterly, yeah, they say some foul things to each other in the treetops of Shiverbark Forest. <laughs> um, but then along the adventure, they do seem to be able to work through their problems. Because the book, uh, as well as this amazing adventure, is about friendship because Casper yeah. hasn't been able to make friends at his school. Exactly. And Utterly has also had her own problems. Uh, that, you know, there's, I won't spoil it. Yeah. There is something that's happened in, in yeah. Utterly's past that means that she finds it difficult to get friendships as well. And the two of them become this little duo. Exactly. Yeah, the books, I mean, on the surface level, the book's an adventure book full of um, never late trees, trees that grow excuses, which I really need. Oh, um, we'll come back to that later, don't yeah. you worry. <laughs> and, um, magical hot air balloons and wizards with unending pockets. But underlyingly, as you say, it's a book about making friends, um, learning what it means to have a friend, to keep one and to be loyal. Um, and it's also about learning to be brave. Um, and then really about the mind-bending beauty um, and fragility of the natural world. So every unmapped kingdom, all these magical lands... Um, that exist that we don't know about um, make weather for our world. This is the thing. So they control our weather and we don't realise it. Yes, exactly. So there are snow trolls beavering away with um, cloud syrup and moon dust to make snow. And there are drizzle hags brewing rain in a giant cauldron. Um, Yeah, so all these animals, all these magical creatures exist. We don't know they do, but they're beavering away every day um, to send us our weather. Um, And I wanted to tie the book slightly into climate change. So the fact that 
in all these unmapped kingdoms where the weather is being made for our world, um, there is a lot of dark magic seeping in and the kingdoms are in, in trouble. Um, and that has a knock-on effect for our world. So there's ice caps melting, storms raging, animals and plants nearing extinction. Um, and kids from our world, like Casper Tok, have to find their way into the unmapped kingdoms and sort things out. And also they have to try and get to grips with Morg. I know, the evil harpy who you meet in Everdark. Yes. And then resurfaces in Rumblestar. I've got to say, so reading the book, it, there are so many words that it's just fascinating because you become acclimatised to this like language. Yeah. That, and, and so many, I've written like, uh, yeah, lofty husks, midnights, bluster snaps. And yeah. I read a paragraph and I read it back and I was like, my goodness, I feel like, really proud of myself because you... you you like learning a new language. You are, aren't it's you? Do you have like a thesaurus at home that you've written a note of everything down? <laughs> I so should, didn't I? One of the things I love most about writing a book is inventing words. Right. Um, I used to love Roald Dahl's books. You know, um, the BFG with yeah, snozcumbers and flesh lump eating giants. Yeah. Um, and he uses onomatopoeia, you know, words that sound like their meaning so well. And I loved inventing words um, in Rumblestar. And yeah, it is like a new language. There is, um, there's Bristlebeard, who is a snow troll, mm-hmm. and he talks about life being wiggly splat. Yes. <laughs> and that means unpredictable and chaotic. And Casper doesn't like that because he likes his world being ordered. Um, so there's made up words in that sense. Um, and the character names Slumbergrot, a giant yeah. who he has, he's really wise and he has loads of really important things to say. But just at the moment he's about to say them, he falls asleep. So he's the character that's based on my dad. Oh, okay. Um, and, but slumber, grot, two words, you know, to do with sleep. Yeah. And then put together slumber and grot, you get his name. Um, and utterly thankless. I don't know where that came as a name Bless came her. from, but um, I'm quite fond of it now. It's really lovely, yeah. And also, also uh, the, the worlds, there are so many different worlds and parts of it. Do you have a big map at home that you've drawn out just to kind of like get to grips with where everything is? Yeah, definitely. Oh, um, right. So I'm dyslexic okay. and my ideas when I start thinking about a story are really muddled and chaotic. Um, so I draw my way into every single story I write. So the first thing I do when I come up with an idea for a book is I draw the setting and then I draw various parts of the setting. So in Rumblestar, there's um, a river called the Witch's Fingers. Mm -hmm. There are volcanoes called the Smoking Chimneys and a forest called Chipperbark Forest. Then I get another colour and I draw a journey through that land and then that becomes the plot. And I start thinking maybe on the river the the canoe could overturn and they could be kidnapped by somebody or, you know, then the next stage maybe they find a secret object that they didn't know was there. And so that's how I how I work, how I plan. So yeah, it's really visual. There are tons of maps and it goes into an even sort of deeper level when I actually write each chapter. I sometimes can't see it clear enough in my head so I sketch out the scene as well. Um, also, the Nevelate tree, you need to talk about that because that is incredible. Yeah. Um, I've written a few excuses down here that I was wondering whether you could judge how good they would be. Okay, go for um, it. So, and then maybe you've got some excuses you can... Give can, me yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe something that Neville H. Tree might, might say. Right. So basically, this is if you're late to the castle, the, the tree will give you an excuse. Exactly. So yeah. instead of buds or leaves, it grows tiny white envelopes. And inside each white envelope is an excuse. Which I got sent in the post, actually. From you did, didn't your you? Your lovely yeah. people. And it was amazing. We sent you an excuse. <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, so I thought, okay, uh, if I've forgotten to do my homework, could I say I was busy rubbing a dragon's tummy? Oh my word, I thought you were going to be like, because the dog ate it. <laughs> yes, you can say that, Bex. You can actually write that into my next book. Oh, really? <laughs> Excellent. Okay, what would your excuse be for not doing your homework? Not doing my homework would be... Because I was rub- rubbing the dragon's ears. Oh, excellent. We've this is a very together. rubbed dragon. <laughs> the dragon's just super happy. Yeah, having exactly. a lovely time rolling his back. Uh, okay, excuse for not walking the dog. Mm-hmm. I've put, um, I was helping an old chicken to cross the road. Oh, nice. What do you think about kind, that? Kind. I think that's very, very kind. 
old chicken. Yeah. Yeah, so we might have a little limp. Yeah. With a little walking stick. And, and then I just... look good. And yeah. I technically was outside, just yeah. wasn't walking the dog. Exactly. You were walking another elderly animal. Yeah. Which technically is quite kind. So is that okay? Do you yeah, I reckon I, I'd give that to you. Okay. I'd give that to you. Good. Uh, the last one, playing too many video games. Now, this is difficult to Ooh. get a good excuse for. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's quite tricky. Um, I put that I was learning how to chop a tree down. Is that good or bad? Because Very on brand for kind of outdoors adventure rumble stuff. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I think but that's Am I allowed to chop trees down? Is that okay? You could chop as long as it was one and you were going to use it. So you were going to make um, either your shelter out of it, like okay. a wigwam, or maybe you were going to burn the wood for a fire because you were super cold in Shiverbark Forest because yeah. it's a forest where snowflakes the size of dinner plates fall. So yeah. do you think I could maybe could do an apprenticeship with the nevelate tree? Maybe get I basically think you need to yeah get some seeds, grow a few nevelate trees, and then just use those excuses like wildfire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's my new job. Sorry, fun kids, I'm leaving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to become a late tree, excellent. Uh, fab. So the book is out right now, Rumble Star. Right, can okay. we expect another one in the series? Yes, you can. I really loved it, and I really want to find out what else happens. Oh yeah, it's a bit like the Narnia books. It, it's a the Unmapped Chronicles. So it's a series in some respects. Right. In that the overarching villain, Morg, mm-hmm. and her midnights, her followers are the same. But each book is a standalone adventure in a different Unmapped Kingdom. So oh. we've got the Sky Kingdom of Rumblestar yep. in this book. And then next spring, you've got Jungle Drop, which is um, a jungle full of glow-in-the-dark rainforests, um, gobble-quick trees, <laughs> and forever ferns, and golden panthers called deep glints. And do we see utterly your Casper again? Or that will they become yeah, memories gonna, a bit like Smudge? I, d- I don't know how to answer this. Yes, there uh-huh. will be a little crossover, but not in the way that you expect it to be. Um, time time moves very differently in the unmapped kingdoms yeah. to it um, to our world. Far away, yeah. To the far away, which I call it. So Casper um, might be a little bit older, but he <gasps> might appear oh <laughs> in a kind of cameo role. Yeah. Okay, that's amazing. That's made my day. Yay. Um, fab. So Abby, thank you so much for popping by, fun oh, kids. pleasure. Lovely to see you. And everybody needs to go get Rumblestar. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much to Abby Elphinstone for coming by Fun Kids. Next up, it's time to find out a little bit about Matt Haig's brand new book, Evie and the Animals. Once there was a girl called Evie Trench. Evie was not a normal child. She was a special child. That's what her dad said. Special. Evie often thought it would be a lot easier to be a normal child than a special child. But there you go. She was special. And the reason for this was, well, it was complicated. Evie didn't really understand it herself. Before we get on to her specialness, let's start with a simple fact. Evie liked animals. Of course, lots of people like animals. But Evie liked all animals, not just the cuddly ones. She liked dogs and cats, yes, of course, but also cockroaches, snakes, bats, vultures, hyenas, sharks, jellyfish and green anaconda snakes. She liked every animal. Well, apart from the Brazilian wandering spider, the deadliest spider in the world, which even Evie found hard to love for reasons that will become clear. But as a general rule, if it lived, she liked it. And she knew everything about the animal world, as much as anyone. There were probably professors of animal biology at extremely clever universities who knew less than her. By the time she was six years old, she had read more than 300 books on the subject. 
Every time she felt worried or sad or bored, she would sit and read a book about animals. So she knew a lot. Now, recently, Dan had a chat with Derek Landy. He is the author of the Skullduggery Pleasant series. He's got a brand new book out called Bedlam, and this is what happened. You're listening to Fun Kids. This is Dan. And brilliant news. If you love your books, you love your stories, and you love your skeletons, there's a new uh, book out in the Skullduggery Pleasant series. It's called Bedlam. And the author, Derek Landy, is in the Fun Kids studio. Hello, Derek. Hello there. Thank you so much for joining us. My absolute pleasure. Um, How long has the new book been in the works? Well, it took about six months to write, but essentially, how long has it been in the work? About maybe 12 years. Now, what amazes me when I speak to series authors is how they get their ideas for each book. Like, how long have you known about what was going to be the 12th book in the line? Talk me back to the very first moment that the idea for Bedlam came into your head. This is book 12, but I said at the very start, when the first Skullduggery book was out, I said there will be nine Skullduggery books, and it would take nine of them to tell this huge, big story. That was absolutely fine. I wrote the first one, the second one, the third one, the fourth one. I was, I think, writing the sixth or the seventh one. And I realized the tale, it grows in the telling. So by the time I got to book seven, I realized, oh, nine books are not going to be enough. The book, you know, nine came about and, and everything seemed to end. And I took a few years off and then I arrived back two years later with, uh, actually, there's more books. But so specifically for Bedlam, though, I mean, looking back to when you first started writing Skullduggery Pleasant and you had these nine books that you've just said, you knew how, how the story would go. When did you start getting ideas for the, the 10th, the 11th, and now the 12th? I knew certain things that had to happen. Uh, and, I, and I knew how the story would continue. But I, I took a break. I wrote other books. I went on holiday. You know, I took two years away from Skullduggery. But by the time I started writing the 10th book, I had planned out this second part of the series. So, yeah, so this is 12. So this is the first uh, trilogy of the new part. I, I pretty much knew from the beginning how this would go. When I wrote the first nine books, I knew vaguely where the story would go and who would live and who would die. But there were important elements that I was like, oh, I have no idea. And it's going to be a surprise. But with this one, I, I pretty much had it solid in my head. Who will live and who will die and how horribly they will die and how much screaming they'll be doing as they die, which is always the most fun part of writing any book. <laughs> so without revealing exactly who lives and who dies, mm-hmm. uh, talk to me about what happens in Bedlam. So uh, Stephanie, Valkyrie, uh, with their back? Yes, yes. Uh, Valkyrie is back. Skullduggery is back. They have been uh, going up against a villain called Abyssinia for the last three books. In these books, uh, Valkyrie, you know, in book one, she was 12. In book nine, she was 18. In these books, she's around 24 or 25. So I needed a character that my younger uh, readers could identify with, you know, who could say, I know what it means to be in school. I know what it means to be, like, bullied. I know what it means to be disappointing parents. 
And so I introduced a character who's called Omen as a very awkward boy in school. So while Skullduggery and Valkyrie are having all of these huge, big adventures, he goes, oh, yeah, can I tag along? And at the start, he wants to tag along because it's adventure and he wants to be a hero. And then he realizes that, oh, actually, um, being in a, in adventures isn't all that amazing. But by this stage, he isn't allowed to be normal anymore. Just as long as I can pack in uh, battles and monsters and jokes and magic, I'm just happy. And apparently so are uh, the readers. How much do your characters surprise you when you're writing them still? Oh, God, constantly. Um, You would think that a writer is in control of a book. And to a degree, they are. But any writer worth anything knows that once the characters start to tell you things about themselves, you let it happen. Uh, There have been plenty of times where I hand out the series and I say, okay, by book seven, uh, this character will do this. And then I write the books, I write the books, and then I get to book seven. But by that stage, the character has changed so much. That is not what I intended. So that uh, they w- they would not do this um, anymore. They The characters constantly change without permission. They will change. They will uh, develop personalities that you didn't plan on. And suddenly you are writing a book that is as much a surprise to the writer as it is to the reader. And that's when things get really interesting. Whenever we have a storyteller um, on Fun Kids, we like to know a little bit more about uh, not just the book, not just the story that they're telling, but like a little bit about them. So we've got a quick fire round. Uh, Two options. Give me one of them as quick as you can. Then maybe we'll find out a little bit more. Books or Kindles? Uh, Books. Why books? I prefer the the feel of them. I prefer the smell of them. I prefer the look. I like to put something I own on a shelf. Breakfast or dinner? Dinner. What's your favourite meal? Oh, roast chicken and roast potatoes. Yes. Writing or reading? Even though, even though I am a writer, I just adore books. What what book has that you've read has provided you with the most? inspiration for your Skullduggery Pleasant series? Oh, probably the Harry Potters, because when I came up with the idea for Skullduggery, he was a skeleton detective who dressed in a suit and he drove a cool car and he had magic. But if Harry Potter hadn't existed and if that hadn't opened up the world of adults reading children's books, then I would have had this idea for a skeleton detective and I would have tried to uh, put him in a book for adults. And because of Harry Potter showed me that it's possible to have really awesome books uh, that everyone will read, no matter uh, what their age. Without uh, obviously copying other ideas, when you're reading something like Harry Potter and you're also writing a magical story, do do you find that you're inspired by some of the magic that J.K. Rowling has created and you find that perhaps bleeding through to your own stories? Yes, and that's something you have to uh, watch out for a lot. When I was halfway through the very first book, the magic they had was a lot more like the Harry Potter magic. So I I went back and I changed everything. There were no spells. There wasn't this huge, big expanse of magic. Everyone now had a very specific thing that they could do, and that's all. 
Uh, and lastly, because I know that you've got both very quickly, German Shepherds or Staffordshire Bull Terriers? Oh, I, I love Staffies, but but the love of my life, and apologies to my girlfriend, uh, was my German Shepherd, um, Ali. Um, the new book, it's the 12th in the Skullduggery Pleasant series, much more than the nine promised at the start. It's called Bedlam. <laughs> it's by Derek Landy. You can find out loads more at funkidslife.com. Derek, thank you so much for coming thank in. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Derek Landy for chatting to Dan. And thank you so much to Dan for coming on the Fun Kids Book Club podcast. That is pretty much it for me today. Apart from the fact I have to give you the answer to my Fun Kids Book Club trivia question. The question was, in Louis Sachar's holes, what do Zero and Stanley eat on the mountain to stay alive? Is it apples? Is it onions? Is it peaches? Now, this was a kind of trick question because peaches could be the answer, but it's not. The correct answer is onions. So if you got that, because maybe you've read the book, maybe you've seen the film, congratulations. Give yourself a big pat on the back. That's pretty much it from me today on the Fun Kids Book Club podcast. We'll be back super soon. And if you've liked the podcast, remember to subscribe, to like it, to tell all of your friends and to read loads and loads and loads of books. Bye. So that was a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com.